Hello, this is Jonathan Ward on today's Behind Closed Boards. We'll tackle five questions with Kevin Schmolt, Managing Director of Newmark Knight Frank, a global leader in commercial real estate brokerage, leasing, capital markets, property management, and advisory services. Kevin operates out of Newmark's Milwaukee office and has over 15 years of experience within the industry. Kevin, thank you for being our guest today and welcome to our podcast community. For references sake, this podcast is being recorded on October 10th, 2022. Uh, Kevin, good morning. How are you? Hey, I'm good morning. Great. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Excited to uh, have the opportunity to discuss all things retail with you. Well, this, the retail community uh, is up in arms and, and uh, the pandemic did not help anything out. Uh, there's a lot of uh, moving parts, especially with the uh, uptick in e-commerce, um, more people working from home. The market is quite possibly the most turbulent of them all. Having said that, Kevin has managed to navigate through some of these uh, changes with some national retail giants such as Papa John's, Sola Salon, Silver Star Car Washes, and Jamba Juice. So let's dig into that. Uh, Kevin, first question for you. What is your take on the current and future of the Milwaukee retail marketplace? That's a great question. And you used the terms sort of there in your intro about up in arms. And, uh, you know, it's interesting from having been doing this through a couple of cycles and for more than a decade. I would say that people are up in arms right now, but they're up in arms for different reasons. And maybe not up in arms, maybe they're waving and, you know, crying for help. And help would come in the form of uh, labor. Uh, My clients trying to find people to work in their stores. Uh, My clients with a desire to expand, but you know, waving for help and trying to find vacant spaces to open their next businesses. And uh, I wouldn't say that they're clamoring or agitated or waving their arms in a form of panic other than for um, some good reasons, but you know, nonetheless, challenges. Uh, tell me some uh, cool transactions that you're working on right now. Yeah, so some cool ones. I guess we'll dovetail the, the previous answer into another one. You know, just by example, Papa John's. We just signed a new lease with Papa John's. I represented them as a tenant in Sun Prairie. Uh, there too, a situation where the franchisee, who was the largest in Wisconsin, had been interested in opening a location, a new location, for about two years, and has several territories determined with corporate where they could do so. And it legitimately took us two years to um, and thirteen markets to determine one site that was uh, seemed to be tr- you know, truly an opportunity for success for that client. So a small deal in terms of its footprint for a roughly 1,500 square foot client, but a success story um, and a reflection on the market. Um, but on the larger side, a lot of what we do isn't strictly tenant related and we represent buyers and sellers of real estate as well, uh, capital markets and investment sales. And I uh, was proud recently to have been nominated as a Car W Deal of the Year finalist for a sale that me and a few of my partners completed in Menominee Falls last year. Um, it was the sale of a, a shopping center that really had four parts. It has a dark uh, Walmart, which I'll come back to. It has a shopping center attached. It has a pad site that's undeveloped. And it had a freestanding local restaurant. But uh, it was a great sale to have uh, been a part of and to have completed for its seller. And I, you know, one of the more challenging parts of it too, Jonathan, just as a reflection too about you know waving arms or the perception of our market, a passerby might have assumed that the Walmart was vacant uh, because it's dark, 
but from a technical standpoint, it was occupied. And Walmart had 11 years of term remaining on a ground lease for the box. So one of the challenges that we faced as the selling brokers was getting past preconceptions by buyers, especially local, who are familiar with the asset, who assumed that we are trying to sell them a, a dark big box uh, with attached retail, when in fact we were trying to sell them a bond uh, with Walmart, essentially, given 11 years of uh, forward income uh, and additional retail and an opportunity for a pad development and a local restaurant. So um, it's exciting to be a part of that. It's one of many that we've uh, we've navigated uh, over the past uh, year or so quite successfully with this low cap rate, low interest rate environment and you know investment sales are a big part of what we do. And I guess the last piece I would touch on too, we're coming off of the Car W retail conference. And uh, I guess I'd share a trend, which I'm also a part of, which is pad development. And a good example for a project we're involved in is in Green Bay, uh, Green Bay Plaza, a large shopping center at Mason and Military, uh, a power center. Um, and just last week, we our client demoed, demolished, uh, a former Sears box. Uh, did so, we did have some demand for the space itself, but in going through a few different iterations of pro forma and site plan, it was determined the highest and best use, the way to maximize the site was to actually tear down the building and to create six pad sites. Um, it's a trend in our industry that has accelerated over the past two years, which is the desire for freestanding retail and freestanding um, restaurants. So, you know, through a long exercise with our client and third parties. Uh, we just tore down that box last week and we'll deliver for six individual users. So, you know, whether it's tenant rep and, uh, you know, occupiers or investment sales and redevelopments, it's a pretty exciting time to be involved with retail in Wisconsin. Well, that's interesting to hear. I mean, a lot of uh, national pundits are, are talking about, you know, the the death of retail or e-commerce is killing retail. And it sounds like you really see it differently. Um, I, I like the the opportunity you're pointing out in Pilgrim Village because it really it changes how you approach the, the underwriting for that. I mean, the fact that you still have 11 years of lease uh, on a dark space, uh, it, it's not a value add, as you say, it, it's uh, it's really a bond. I mean, you have continuing uh, income from that. Uh, but it, as far as trends within uh, retail and bricks and mortar stores competing uh, with online sales, how are you seeing that play out in the marketplace? Well, it's interesting. So back to the Car W retail event, I've been co-chair of that event for about 10 years, and I've moderated panels at that event for about the last five. And I opened up two weeks ago to that panel and to the audience by saying that Every year we've had a challenge. Every year we've had a, a, a center of focus. Sometimes in past years, that center of focus has been entertainment retail or other facets, other solutions for the evolution that's occurring in retail. And uh, lo and behold, every year we have found a way to solve for it. And that's uh, kind of what we do in retail, or I guess all facets of real estate is solve problems. And um, you know, it's, it's happening now, but the challenge that we're having now is uh, scarcity of space, you know, driven primarily by interest rates, cost to construct, and available sites to develop. So I would say the prevailing trend we have right now is uh, space, space scarcity. Mm -hmm. uh, a small example I shared already was, you know, Papa John's desire to expand. 
but having difficulty in identifying a location. So I would cite a trend as being leasing, the leasing of occupied space. And what I mean by that is to the passerby, your favorite store, or unfortunately the store you haven't visited in, in two years might appear to be well-occupied when in fact that tenant might be having conversations with its landlord about you know, exiting and maybe ending its lease early. And that's what we're doing as brokers more often than not, is we're releasing spaces before you know, the average consumer even realizes a tenant's leaving. So by the time a store closing sign goes up, we've probably already navigated the conversation with two to three interested tenants who really want that space. Um, and I think that'll continue to be the fact as construction and new development continues to be pressured, we'll recycle retail and we'll solve problems before most people even knew a problem existed. We're hearing in the office space uh, of concessions, you know, tenants requesting concessions or shorter term leases, uh, or they, they received concessions during COVID and, and added onto the term of their lease on the, on the back end. Um, what, what trends do you see in retail right now? Because of the scarcity of space and that's, you know, quality space, which I think is a differentiator between office and retail. Um, you know, office has always been, and probably will be to some degree, a commodity as it really, as it compares to retail. So many of our retail occupiers are really focused on location, traffic counts, co-tenancy, et cetera. So if a space becomes available, which as I've mentioned is increasingly rare, tenants are willing to make a sacrifice. So if a tenant had a co-tenancy expectation or a storefront expectation or something else where in the past they wouldn't deviate from, it was a hard and fast rule that they wouldn't open a store say with less than 80 feet of frontage, but today something becomes available with 70. Um, again, in the past, they would have simply just moved on and focused on the next opportunity. But today, in realizing that they'll have fewer opportunities, they might take a breath and see if there's some way that they could modify their store layout to fit into 70 feet instead of 80 feet, by example. And concessions for retail, similarly, are, are fewer. Uh, if you're a high credit, highly desirable tenant based on whether it's credit or term or co-tenancy or traffic, uh, you have a little bit more ability to leverage that in a lease negotiation for you know, free rent, lower rent, a period of free rent, lower rent, uh, tenant improvement allowance, or something else. But what is more often the case is tenants are trying to make deals easier for landlords and ask for less uh, simply to uh, beat their competition who might be you know, pursuing the same space. So in contrast to the office environment, over the past two years, we've only seen the retail market increase um, in terms of rental rates, uh, lower vacancy rates, fewer concessions, and greater competition. Uh, I'm curious on, on the development side, a lot of times uh, cities are requesting or, or adding into their zoning that they wanna see mixed use. Um, years ago, when I was uh, with the city of West Dallas, we had two um, to a mixed use development and the street level retail sat vacant uh, on, the, on the project for probably 10 years before the city finally uh, let them redevelop that as, as uh, residential space. Um, and I'm curious, you, you mentioned, you know, an increasing trend in freestanding uh, pad sites for, um, for box development. Is there a, a demand? Are you seeing retailers use some of these uh, storefront uh, first floor mixed use spaces? 
Yes, but different. So it's difficult for some national retailers, depending on their format, to fit into a mixed use environment, um, more of a street front opportunity. But at the same time, we've seen a lot of growth and a lot of stability in that category as well. One example I would cite has been our work on Silver Spring Drive in Whitefish Bay, where if goes to plan this week, we'll sign our uh, sign a lease with our last remaining vacancy that you know our firm handles on Silver Spring. Uh, the deals that we've um, entered into on for environments like that tend to be more local businesses or franchise businesses, uh, groups who really are um, operations heavy and enjoy being a part of the local community, as opposed to you know other types of tenants that you might find on Blue Mound Road and you know might have more of a national um, audience or a more of a national marketing strategy. But you know mixed use I think is as also as strong as it's ever been. Um, West Dallas still has a few vacancies on say Greenfield Avenue, but uh, there too, I've got, I believe in my portfolio, one remaining vacancy on Greenfield Avenue, totaling a whopping 1200 square feet. <laughs> we've got three groups looking at it. So uh, different than the situation I was describing earlier, which was probably more of a national tenant, mm -hmm. but uh, similar in terms of its, re you know, its ability to rebound from COVID and grow. And I guess I'd close by saying in this section uh, on this topic, we saw something really interesting happen with some of these uh, communities where you'd expect to see mixed use and ground floor retail uh, with so many people forced to work from home and now by preference continuing to work from home. We're seeing some very promising sales reports out of some of our restaurants and other neighborhood services, coffee shops, et cetera, whereas before they probably had a really strong morning with people grabbing a cup of coffee or having a meeting on the way to work, but then tapering throughout the day in some of the North Shore communities like Shorewood and Whitefish Bay, where there wasn't a lot of employment, you know, as to say like office space. Um, but now with more people working in those neighborhoods from their couch or from their home office or from their, their kitchen table, those folks are going out, it seems more so for lunch and late afternoon coffee. We're seeing, you know, kind of a flip in, uh, in day parts as it relates to greater daytime occupancy in neighborhoods that typically were, you know, less active uh, Monday through Friday, nine to five. That's interesting. Uh, I'm gonna pivot for a minute to construction costs. Uh, Altius uh, is seeing uh, construction costs remaining relatively high. Uh, you know, they, they uh, spiked, um, you know, the headlines that have talked about, you know, lumber prices have come down, you know, some of the commodities have come down, but labor has gone up and it used to be, you know, a, a few materials had spiked, but now with uh, inflation, uh, all prices have just remained high. Have you seen an impact on construction costs on retail? Certainly. And that's, I think, what's helped create some stability in our market because we've stopped building new shopping centers. Someone might prove me wrong, but from memory, I can only think of one shopping center in Southeastern Wisconsin, multi-tenant, he has to say like three tenants or more that was delivered in the year 2021. And that was on South 27th Street, in the city of Milwaukee. Phillips Edison, I believe was the developer and they built for Dunkin' Donuts, uh, Spectrum and Tropical Smoothie on a lot that they already owned. Um, so that's the only multi-tenant shopping center that comes to mind as being delivered in 2021, primarily because of the costs. You know, we used to build a shopping center and, you know, we would, the pro forma would require rents in the low and mid twenties uh, for the investor to earn a return. But given the, you know, the cost of construction and labor and land costs today, that number 
is certainly in the 40s per square foot, which just wow. isn't typically sustainable for many retail categories, which is why I think you've seen a major pivot as it relates to new construction, for which there is still a good amount of new retail construction, but it's primarily focused on single tenant net lease and freestanding operations. Whereas, you know, a Chipotle who wants to build a new store in a market where they've already proven themselves to be successful might move up the road and feel comfortable in the cost of doing business, the cost of new construction, because they know that their volumes will support uh, that cost. But at the same time, if you're a developer who's considering building a 10,000 square foot shopping center, you might have pause in finding that you know, two or three, and mainly your end cap tenants, uh, will have a plausible future volume, sales volume to support the rents. But you might be a bit, uh, I think the market's proven that most developers are a bit weary of finding those tenants in between who can be just as successful. So we've definitely seen it impact um, our market. I think that many developers and occupiers have come to cope with the costs and the larger concern for many over the past 12 months has more so been supply chain and timing. Um, I've got a few examples to cite where we're working, we're working with tenants who are fully entitled from a municipal standpoint, uh, fully designed, ready to build, um, are concerned about you know, seasonal conditions, whether it means their sales cycle and wanting to open in a particular point of the year or trying to avoid winter conditions and uh, again, have coped with the cost, but are probably kept up at night just wondering you know, when they can get their HVAC or when they can get their electrical gear. And I think the uncertainty caused by supply chain today is probably paramount to cost. You mentioned the, the cycle. I remember years ago reading that retailers that opened in October before the holiday season, that those stores had better sales than the ones that opened after the holidays for years, not just for that year, obviously, but for Definitely. years, that pattern continued. It's true. And, you know, many retailers, depending on their categories, will tell you the same thing about operations that, you know, depending on when they were able to hire and open stores, that the, the long-term success, success and health of culture inside of a store can be majorly impacted by the time of year you open. You know, for instance, probably a pretty difficult time to find someone who wants to start a new job during the holidays and, or, you know, any number of other factors. So uh, seasonal cycles, whether it relates to weather or lifestyle or consumer trends is a, is a big deal for retail and uncertainty caused by supply chain is a major concern by all parties. Uh, what are some of the best practices for success that you see in this economy? I think it's an, it's, it's, it's a, it's an old but good um, <laughs> pattern for success. And that's just, you know, further emphasized. It's probably bold, highlighted, underlined, and in large font. Uh, and that's communication um, more so than ever, which is kind of ironic that it's even something that we need to really think about anymore, given how easy it is to communicate today uh, as compared to years past with text messaging, email, and any number of social media platforms. But uh, to get things done requires communication. And a few examples would be one broker communicating with another about a shopping center that appears to be full, but through a conversation, either deliberate or in passing at a, you know, a cocktail hour, you learn is available or could be made available um, and creating opportunities for your client in that way. Maybe there's a tenant, like I mentioned earlier, who's willing to leave, but there isn't a sign in the window type of thing. 
the result of a done deal getting done and getting being completed based on communication or as we've discussed supply chain trying to allevi alleviate some of the anxiety and concern for timing for your HVAC uh, by very clear communication with your general contractor and subcontractor and all parties involved. Um, just communication across the board, communication from a tenant to a, a broker that, they, that they're interested um, in expanding is another simple example, but I think never more important is communication. And it's also something that was augmented and challenged through COVID as it relates to, you know, there being fewer social events, being fewer collisions between professionals at a networking event, um, being away from the office and your fellow brokers or depending on your field, your, your coworkers. And that's, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that communication is something that I think we're all being forced to reevaluate and to, to sharpen our knife on. But uh, communication is probably the only way that any of us will be successful in 2023. I've got two more questions for you, Kevin. Uh, what advice would you give to new talent entering commercial real estate? Ooh, good question. And it's interesting too, given sort of the cycle that we're in here and some you know projects slowing down and um, projects being protracted. I think everyone's gonna have a little bit more time over the next 12 months to to slow down and to build relationships and to ask questions. And for someone new, I had the benefit, um, you know, 14, 15 years ago of coming into this market during a slower cycle where I was able to spend quality time with some key players in the market and develop some mentor type relationships by just asking a lot of questions and making myself available. So my advice to someone who's new in our market is just to, you know, be quiet, uh, but be present and to listen and ask a lot of questions. <laughs> there was a lot of time to do that in 2008, definitely. There certainly was. <laughs> well, Kevin, uh, we appreciate uh, you joining us and, and for your advice on this. Uh, um, the, uh, the last question I have for you on, uh, on a personal side, uh, what would someone catch you doing on your day off? Oh, good question. That's that's a tough question to answer on a Monday because I'm still daydreaming about the weekend. But, uh, <laughs> most of my time at off is spent outdoors doing something. We've got a, a summer home in central Wisconsin where I enjoy spending time with my wife and my son, Grant. And, you know, we're probably either outside throwing a ball or casting a line, going fishing, or if it's winter and we're strange and that we actually enjoy Wisconsin winter, you'd probably find us uh, someplace skiing. Great. Uh, did you get out on the boat much this summer? Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, it was a great summer. And that's one of the benefits of remote work is that I was able to spend more time uh, at the lake uh, while still being productive for clients. Lots of lots of good time in the sunshine and, you know, making uh, making the best of Wisconsin for sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, Kevin, thank you again for spending time with us today. Please stay tuned for future knowledge chat episodes with the Altius Building Company Behind Closed Boards podcast series which features interviews, how-to chats, and brews with building reviews. Check us out online or on our website at www.altiusbuildingco.com or on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, or Podcast Addict. Thanks a lot. Good night.